1: Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you are well, always, always. Um, I tell you, I read the news this morning, and um, I think uh, a really difficult time to not turn this into a news program. You can watch the news itself uh, yourself as well, but I tell you, it's um, it's worse just about every every day. Um, And the only thing for us to do is know our faith and live our faith. And I'd say even memorize the scriptures, memorize the faith, because there may be a day that we don't have um, anyone to rely on, any books to read. If we're arrested, um, we need to know our faith. There's nothing more important than that, dear ones. Absolutely nothing. We had a, um, a concern... Uh, from, um, I, uh, from someone who had listened to the program. And I, I don't remember what day it was, but we were speaking about um, Our Lady of La Salette, about her apparition um, to two children, Melanie and Maxim. Um, and they were concerned that we went too far in talking about what Our Lady... Uh, actually said to them, her prophecies. And um, uh, I looked it up. I'm going to read you a summary that I I think is trustworthy. Um, uh, Apparently, uh, many think there are two Melanies, that the message that she gave uh, that went to Pope Pius IX when she was a young girl, the message from Our Lady, um, was authentic. But as she grew older, she invented messages or um, uh, began to elaborate, and they became false, whether it's a different Melanie or the the same Melanie but who uh, got off track when she got older. I did quite a bit of searching yesterday for it, and I was amazed to find out that um, there's such confusion. And varying beliefs on this—it's just amazing. Um, I was going to simply read the view of the false um, visions, false messages of Melanie to correct uh, what I initially read from a wonderful website, Cath the Planet. Um, when I got the message on La Salette, I simply. Um, did an engine search a, a internet search on it and got so many sites and most of them said the same thing so I picked one that was trustworthy um, but um, apparently there's quite a bit of uh, confusion on this so let me read you um, one that I've uh, settled on here it's from EWTN it's actually from the Catholic Encyclopedia of uh, I believe it's 1913 um, and it's um, uh, it's published uh, by New Advent, um, uh, written in 1996, but it came from the Catholic Encyclopedia of 1913, um, and it seems to have a balanced summary. I'm going to read that to you on La Salette. Um, I don't know... Uh, tell you the truth what to trust on the apparition of La Salette there's so many varying versions now uh, contradictory statements Um, let me read this one La Salette in the commune and parish of La Salette uh, Falaveau Canton of Cor Department of Isere and Diocese Grenoble Uh, I know I'm mispronouncing some of these words dear ones it is celebrated La Salette as the place where it is said the Blessed Virgin appeared to two little shepherds and each year is visited by a number of pilgrims. I, I have visited La Salette myself. On 19 September 1846 in 1846 on the 19th of September about three o'clock in the afternoon in full sunlight on a mountain about fifty nine eighteen five thousand nine hundred and eighteen feet high and about three miles distant distant from the village of La Salette um, and its La Salette hyphen Falavo F-A-L-L-A-V-A-U-X. It is related that two children, a shepherdess of fifteen named Melanie Calvat, called Matthew m-a-t-h-i-e-u and a shepherd boy of 11 named maximum gerard both of them very ignorant beheld in a resplendent light a beautiful lady clad in a strange costume speaking now ignorant doesn't mean stupid it means ignorant uh, unknowledgeable um Both of these children beheld in a resplendent light a beautiful lady clad in a strange costume. Speaking alternately in French and in patois, she charged them with a message which they were to deliver to all her people. After complaining of the impiety of Christians and threatening them with dreadful chastisements in case they should persevere in evil, she promised them the divine mercy if they would amend. Finally, it is alleged, before disappearing, she communicated to each of the children a special secret. The sensation caused by the recital of Melanie and Maximin was profound and gave rise to several investigations and reports. Monsignor Philibert de Brouillard, bishop of grenoble appointed a commission to examine judiciously this marvelous event the commission concluded that the reality of the apparition should be admitted soon several miraculous cures took place on the mountain of la salette and pilgrimages to the place were begun the miracle needless to say was ridiculed by free thinkers but it was also questioned among the faithful, and especially by ecclesiastics. There arose against it in the diocese of Grenoble and Lyon a violent opposition, aggravated by what is known as the Incident of Ar, R, uh, ARS, where, um, uh, from where the um, curé of R, um, St. John Vianney came. As a result of this hostility and the consequent agitation, Monsignor de uh, Monsignor de Briard, on uh, in 1851, November 16th, 1851, declared the apparition of the Blessed Virgin as certain and authorized the cult—that is, the worship of Our Lady of La Salette. This act subdued, but did not suppress the opposition whose leaders profiting by the succession in 1852 of a new bishop, uh, Monsignor um, Ginolyac, I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, G-I-N-O-U-L-H-I-A-C, Ginoliac, to Monsignor Bruyard, who had resigned, retaliated with violent attacks on the reality of the miracle of La Salette. They even asserted that the beautiful lady was a young woman named La Merliere, which story gave rise to a wide advertised suit for slander. Despite these hostile acts, the first stone of a great church was solemnly laid on the Mount of La Salette on the 25th of May, 1852, amid a large assembly of the faithful. This church later elevated to the rank of a basilica, was served by a body of religious called Missionaries of La Salette. In 1891, diocesan priests replaced these missionaries driven into exile by persecuting laws. As said above, <clears throat> now what I, I'm, I'm going to interrupt this to say that what is certain is that Our Lady told the children That two great offenses against God um, were being done. One is that his name was taken in vain, um, and secondly, that our Lord was not um, being worshipped on the Sabbath, meaning Sunday. Uh, Those two things breaking the two commandments, not to take the laws, our Lord's name in vain, and not to worship on the Sabbath, which would be Sunday. These are my own comments that I've read. Later on, it it appeared that um, Melanie's uh, messages of Our Lady went way, way beyond that. Um, I'm just going to now read the uh, the message here uh, published on EWTN of the Catholic Encyclopedia. As said above, the Blessed Virgin confided to each of the two children a special secret. These two secrets, which neither Melanie or Maximum ever made known to each other, were sent by them in 1851 to Pius XI on the advice of Monsignor de Bouillard. Dear ones, uh, we'll conclude this when we return from the break. You are welcome during this entire hour to call in with anything at all on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of We'll be right back.
2: Affliction. Blessed, O Lord, be thy name forever. Who has permitted this affliction to come upon us? We cannot escape it, but must of necessity fly to thee to help us and turn it to our good. Lord, we are now in affliction. Our souls are ill at ease, for we are much troubled with this present suffering. Let it please thee, O Lord, to deliver us, for poor wretches that we are, what can we do without thee? Thy mighty hand can do all things. Give us patience, O Lord, and strength and peace. Help us, O God, and we will not fear, no matter how grievously we may be afflicted. O Lord, Thy will be done. Welcome be the will of God. Sacred Heart of Jesus, we place our trust in Thee. Amen.
0: Howdy. this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there. God love you.
2: What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places
0: like that, and through your programs, I was able to find out how other
1: Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross.
0: Donate today at thestationofthecross.com.
1: going over today uh, a summary message on Our Lady of La Salette um, because there are many um, um, conflicting messages and um, uh, apparently, uh, again, Our Lady of La Salette came to two children um, on September 19th, 1846 in the afternoon on a mountain um, almost 6,000 feet high and three miles distant from the village of La Salette, and it is related that two children, a shepherdess of 15, named Melanie Calvet, uh, called Matthew, M-A-T-H-I-E-U, and a shepherd boy of 11 named Maximum Girard, both of them very ignorant, meaning they knew nothing. Um, They weren't schooled, um, uh, uh, but they, they were not they were smart but not uh, schooled they both beheld it says in a resplendent light a beautiful lady clad in a strange costume speaking alternately in french and in patois she charged them with a message which they were to deliver to deliver to all of her people And it reads here from a 1913 Catholic encyclopedia published on EWTN. After complaining of the impiety of Christians and threatening them with dreadful chastisements in case they should persevere in evil, she promised them the divine mercy if they would amend. And the two things, um, beloved, which uh, seem to be certain in every report of La Salette is that Uh, Our Lady, they they were breaking two commandments um, and Our Lady gave to the children the two messages that they should stop. They, the people, she wanted them to take to all the people uh, should stop using the Lord's name in vain and also should go back to church on the Sabbath, which she meant Sunday. Um, And later on, um, many reports say that Melanie either uh, embellished or or changed her messages from Our Lady and began to um, prophesy many other things that Our Lady never told her. Um, and when I read this report of those other things, um, we had a concern that that was false. Um, that there were either two Melanies or uh, Melanie Uh, as she got older um, became um, confused and began with other prophecies which were false and which our lady did not tell her and as i mentioned at the beginning of the program i spent a lot of time yesterday taking a look um doing uh, web searches on all of this and um there are quite a number of conflicting messages, so I've just this morning read a summary from the 1913 Catholic Encyclopedia, um, and I'll read now the final the final paragraph of that. Um, the Blessed Virgin, uh, as we just read, the Blessed Virgin confided to each of the two children a special secret. These two secrets, which neither Melanie or Maximum ever made known to each other were sent by them in 1851 to Pius IX on the advice of Monsignor de Bruyard. It is unknown what impressions these mysterious revelations made on the Pope, for on this point there were two versions diametrically opposed to each other. Maximum secret. Maximum's secret is not known, for it was never published. Melanie's was inserted in its entirety in brochure which she herself had printed in 1879 in Lecce, Italy with the approval of the bishop of that town. A lively controversy followed as to whether the secret published in 1879 was identical with that communicated to Pius XI in 1851, or in its second form, was not merely a work of the imagination. That sums it up for Melanie. The latter, uh, that it was not merely a work of the imagination, was the opinion of wise and prudent persons who were persuaded that a distinction must be made between the two Melanies between the innocent and simple voyant of 1846 and the visionary of 1879, whose mind had been, hold on a second here, whose mind had been disturbed by reading apocalyptic books and the lives of the Illuminati. As Rome uttered no decision on the strife, um, rather, um, as Rome uttered no decision. The strife was prolonged between the disputants. Most of the defenders of the text of 1879 suffered censure from their bishops. Maximum Gerard, after an unhappy and wandering life, returned to Corps, C-O-R-P-S, his native village, and died there a holy death on um, March 1st of 1875. Melanie Calvat ended in no less in a no less wandering life at Altamura italy fifteen december nineteen o four that ends um, this uh, account um, uh, reprinted in the um, um, new advent from the Catholic Encyclopedia of nineteen thirteen so um, The thought of either two Melanies or one Melanie who, as she got older, um, um, went through uh, uh, maybe um, spiritual or psychological troubles. Uh, I don't, it it may be the true uh, situation, but I I cannot declare this truth because. Again, I have found so many conflicting situations. So I am reading this most brief summary from the um, Catholic Encyclopedia of 1913, and I take it as authentic. Um, If anyone has any further uh, information on La Salette that is truly approved uh, by the Church... Um, please do email us at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. Um, dear ones, we are in confusing times for sure, um, and many of you may know. Many, much, um, Melanie claimed that Our Lady gave her a rule to begin a religious order, and that she entered and left many religious orders. Uh, there's just so much information around the internet um i 'm not the one to judge it, but um you are you are certainly welcome um, uh, to call in with any information that you have or um, um, uh, how do i say or 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 better yet send an email with um, references if you have a further clarification on this, and if I have offended anyone by reading um, all the alleged um, uh, further confusions on La Salette. I apologize for that. I tell you, I didn't do the research on it initially. I just simply looked at so many websites that, that seemed reliable, uh, but websites I know that mostly said the same thing, uh, that I just picked one and read it to you. So my apologies if I gave out wrong information for sure and um, if I offended anyone by uh, not doing further research on it. Um, again, dear ones, you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart uh, during this entire hour, toll free. Our lines are open, one or email at mother at the station of the cross.com and um, I want to remind you to um, take a look at the men'smarch.com uh, and I need to go there myself. The date is not listed here. Um, I think it's in June in Tallahassee, Florida. I need to look that up to be sure. you can um, text men's March. Uh, One word, Men's March, text to 2282822828. Another announcement for you, dear ones, uh, a special one. Uh, The Station of the Cross is excited to announce the launch of a new radio show here on the Station of the Cross. It's called The Spirit World, and it's co-hosted by Adam Bly, B-L-A-I, who is a religious demonologist and Debbie Giorgiani, who's an expert on angels. The Spirit World will air weekly, beginning this Saturday, May 21st, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This show will answer your questions about angels, demons, eternal life, and how the spiritual and the physical worlds interact. That should be a very wonderful program rightly to rightly understand demonology um, and angelology. It's a very, very important topic, and um, we should not be, as Catholics, um, ignorant of angels, to be ignorant of angels and God's messengers to us. Um, uh, is really to be ignorant of a good amount of our faith, and we don't want that. So let me just take one email here before our break. Um, um, And it's written, uh, comes to us from someone who writes anonymously and says, Hello, Mother. I have two friendship questions. I have two Unitarian friends. They are liberal. I looked up Unitarian. They do not believe in the Trinity. They believe in God, but not the Trinity. I enjoy their company. They know that I am a conservative Catholic. Should I limit my time with them? Also, persons in my rosary group voted for pro-choice candidates and are fine with LGBTQ. Should I leave that rosary group and pray with others? Thank you. Um, Dear Anonymous, those questions are totally yours to decide. As far as your friends, um, to have Unitarian friends is fine as long as you um, take every opportunity to teach them the truth of the faith and uh, allow God to use you as an instrument to their coming to the truth. Um, That's very, very important. They must know not that you're a conservative Catholic in word, but truly that you can help them to understand the truths of god Um, as far as those in your rosary group if they are if they voted for pro-choice candidates and they are fine with the lgbtq uh, philosophy and theology and the churches um, uh, those in the church who approve that they're not catholic and so they have left the Catholic Church. They no longer they may call themselves Catholic, but they no longer believe what is Catholic. You cannot be pro-choice and Catholic. You—you you may think you're Catholic. You may be baptized Catholic, but if you vote pro-choice, you have left the Catholic faith. If you are fine with LGBTQ um, lifestyle and you approve them, uh, you approve that. Um, then you have left the Catholic faith, beloved. Again, you may be baptized Catholic, you may call yourself Catholic, you may go to church and receive communion on Sunday, but if you're pro-choice and you have voted pro-choice and you approve of LBGTQ, you should not be receiving communion, and you are not. You are no longer Catholic. You are a fallen away Catholic, and you should not be receiving the Holy Eucharist. Um, um, We'll be right back, beloved. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the Church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension
0: 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices.
1: We are here for another full half hour with you and you are welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll-free number one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. Um, we have an email, uh, a message on um, Facebook from Joyce. Joyce says, Please show me in scripture... Where we are told to worship Mary, or anywhere, hold on just a moment now, or anywhere that anyone other than believing Christians are called saints, we don't need anyone other than Jesus to forgive our sins or hear our prayers. According to my Bible, Joyce writes. Well, Joyce, my Bible uh, says the same thing as your Bible. Um, I have no problem with what you've written. You say, please show me in Scripture where we are told to worship Mary or told to worship or anywhere that anyone other than believing Christians are called saints. Um, We are not told to worship Mary in Scripture, um, Joyce, and no one other than believing Christians are called saints. You're very right. And we don't need anyone other than Jesus to forgive our sins. Um... Uh, or hear our prayers according to my Bible. Well, you're right on half of that. We don't need anyone other than Jesus to forgive our sins, uh, to hear our prayers uh, uh, according to my Bible. I agree with you on everything you've written. The problem is, Joyce, that um, over 500 years ago, Martin Luther, um, a Catholic monk, left the Catholic Church left the authority, uh, left the only source that could rightly interpret the scriptures, left the magisterium, the teaching office of the church, and single-handedly, dear Joyce, took out seven books of the Old Testament by himself, um, single-handedly, and parts of uh, two other books, Daniel and Esther, um, he also tried to take out James from the New Testament and several other books of the New Testament which his own people the others who followed him uh, defecting from the Catholic Church um, um, forced him to put back uh, he took out James because he said it's an epistle of straw because James says faith without works is dead and so um it was martin luther who who took out seven plus books of scripture single handedly that had been in the Bible for um, fifteen hundred years and which our Lord himself had included in the Septuagint which he from which he quoted while he was on earth. Um, we are not told to worship Mary anywhere. Um, let me start with that point: God alone is to be worshipped. God alone is to be worshipped. In Old English, the word "worship" was the combination of two words, "worthship." In other words, the it, it spoke of the honor um, uh, that is due to a person, the worth that is to be given them, not the adoration to be given God. Absolutely not. But uh, worship became um, the language used to simply. Uh, give people the honor that they're due, as the scriptures talk about, giving bishops the honor that they're due, and others the honor that they're due, um, even as when John fell down before the angel. Um, but not to worship them. God alone is to be worshipped. And not neither Mary, nor the saints, nor anyone but God is worshipped by Catholics. Again, if you read... Uh, older language books um um, hundreds of years back you will see in them uh the word worship to worship uh, the saints but we do not worship them we give them the honor that they are due um, and james writes that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much and there is no one more righteous than the one who is already in heaven. They are free from sin. They're free from its presence. They're free from its power. And they, are, they now have the mind of God. The Apostle Paul tells us, Joyce, to pray to all men everywhere, Second Timothy chapter 2. Pray to all men everywhere. Um, kings and, and uh, rulers, to, to pray for them, rather. Pray for all men, not pray to them, but pray for them. Um, to pray for one another, to pray without ceasing. Um, if I pray for you, um, uh, if Joyce, if you say to me, um, I'm having an exam, or I'm looking for a new job, or whatever the situation is, would you pray for me? I'm going to say, I certainly will pray for you why would i say that because god has made us intercessors intermediaries um, that we in our lord jesus who is the intercessor the mediator the high priest we are little priests in him we are little intercessors little mediators like paul said we pray for all men always so if you ask me to pray for you i won't say um, don't you go to Jesus. He is the only one who answers prayers. Why are you asking me? You are right to ask me, Joyce. We are to pray for what We are to intercede for one another. Christ is the intercessor, the mediator between God and men. But in him, we are little intercessors. We are the common priesthood of God. And we pray for one another. We pray through Christ, the mediator between God and man, of course. Um, and the same thing with the saints. Um, I ask Mary in heaven to pray for me. I ask the saints to pray for me because we are told to pray for one another. The difference between those on earth to pray for me and those in heaven is, is the absence of time and space. Those in heaven are no longer distanced from us by time and space at all and um through we are all in christ and in christ god makes our prayers known to one another and the saints in heaven can pray for the saints on earth Uh, just as we on earth can pray for one another um so you're right. Believing Christians are called saints. Absolutely. With those saints, it doesn't mean perfect, but it does mean holy. Holy doesn't mean perfect. It means set apart. And we are set apart for Christ at our baptism. We, the saints on earth, are holy. We are set apart from the world to God, every one of us. And when, if we die in a state of grace, we go to heaven or through purgatory to heaven, that's another issue. Joyce, you might have a question about. Um, we are yet saints, but we are then perfected. Um, and when you say we do not need anyone other than Jesus to forgive our sins, again, you are right. God alone forgives sins. When Jesus was on earth and he said to the paralytic, Stand, your sins have been forgiven. Uh, He healed him, and he said, your sins are forgiven, and they took up stones to stone him. Who but God can forgive sins? And they were very right. Jesus was God. He was making that clear to them. But the issue is that um, uh, God um, can forgive sins however he wishes and through whom he wishes. And he said to his apostles when he rose from the dead, and appeared to them in the upper room, John chapter 20, and breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. He gave them his apostles, whom he made apostles, whom he made the first bishops of the church at the Last Supper, He gave them power to forgive sins. Do they have this power alone as human beings? Absolutely not. When a, a, but God has. um, One man said, "Yes, God. It it is God who forgive. God alone who forgives sins." But he said, "Who are you, dear sinner, to tell God how he will forgive sins? He forgives them through the men, through the priests he has appointed, and when." When a priest in confession um, says, I absolve you, um, it is Christ who is the high priest who says through the human priest, I absolve you. It is Christ alone who forgives sins. And when the priest says, I absolve you, it is Christ saying those words through the priest, I absolve you. At the Eucharist, at Mass, When the priest holds up bread and water, a round little wafer, it's just bread. But when he says the words of consecration over that bread, he says, this is my body, and bread obeys, just as God said, let there be light, and there was. He creates by his word, and when the priest says, this is my body, and bread becomes God it is Christ the high priest saying through the human instrument priest of the priest this is my body this is my blood and bread obeys God it's a mystery to us but it is God someone once said to me the priest who helped me into the church said um, that the priest does his most important work when he is not himself that is, the priest becomes an altar Christus, another Christ, and it is he is the instrument of God, and bread obeys God just as he did at the Last Supper. It is Christ who forgives our sins; he forgives them through the instrumentality of the priest. Um, Joyce, if you could get a hold of a book, if you want much better and more detailed answers filled with scripture than I've just attempted to give you in summary. There's a wonderful book written by Patrick Madrid, and it's called Any Friend of God's, G-O-D apostrophe S. Any Friend of God's is a friend of mine, and it speaks of the communion of saints, um, and um, prayer to saints, um, and um, also what appears to Protestants to be the worship of saints. We do not worship saints, um, we worship God alone. He alone is to be worshipped. When you see a Catholic standing before a um, uh, a statue made of plaster or wood or anything else, no Catholic is worshipping that statue, but they are praying to the saint represented by that statue. The same way we may take a photo of our parents and saying, Mom, I love you, kissing the photo. You're not worshiping the photo. You don't love the photo. You love your mom represented in the photo. It's the same thing with uh, statues or representations uh, of the saints. Um, uh, so, Joyce, I, some, I hope somehow that that's uh, helped you. Um, I'll tell a story that... Um, Patrick Madrid and Carl Keating as I have told years ago they were both on a the two most outstanding apologists in the world I think Patrick Madrid and Carl Keating and throw Jimmy Aiken in there with them and they were on a trip a missionary trip to a church and they came to the church and outside that church was a life-size statue of Our Lady of Fatima and the three little children Statues of the three little children kneeling before her and a few statues of sheep. And Patrick uh, looked at Carl and said, don't we have a great religion, Carl? Not only do we worship statues, but our statues worship statues. Of course, that's a joke. Uh, Statues don't worship statues. But neither do we worship statues. Um, So... Um, there's the music for our break, dear ones. Um, we will be back right after our break. It will be our last segment. You're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com with anything at all that's on your heart. We'll be right back. God bless you.
0: This is Jesuit Father Robert McCaig, your daily host of the Catholic Current. Join us on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern when we'll welcome back author Matt Archbold. We'll be talking about the vandalism of our churches, who's doing it, and why. Hear it all on the Catholic Current on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. This is Rick Paulini and Father Yatsik Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning at 11 for Divine Mercy in My Soul. The humble soul is like a sponge, and the soul that is not humble, that's full of pride, is like a rock. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud and gives graces to those who are humble. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jezu ufam Tobie. Jesus, I trust in you.
2: We, the people,
0: are guaranteed five freedoms in the First Amendment.
2: Freedom of speech. Freedom of religion. Freedom of the press. Freedom to peacefully assemble. Freedom
1: to petition the government.
0: Only the United States has these five freedoms so simply bound together and guaranteed. Think first. Learn more at thinkfirstamendment.org. You can listen to any of our network produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts, hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one. Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform.
1: and you're welcome to call in with anything at all that's on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. Um, we have um, an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, how would you respond to a friend who claims that Genesis 2-7 can serve as a basis For the pro-choice argument, Uh, I'm going to read that verse, but there's no verse in scripture that serves as a basis for the pro-choice argument. You could take any verse and make it evil if you wish, but um, it's not so. Genesis 2-7 reads, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And this person says, um, how would you refi- respond to a friend who claims that this verse, Genesis two seven, that the Lord formed um, man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, how would that serve as a basis for the pro-choice argument? And the one who writes in anonymously says, I know someone who says that this is proof that life doesn't start until the first breath is taken, and therefore abortion should be allowed up to birth. I would think that this can be proven false simply because it only applies to the first man ever created, but can you provide me with any specific scripture quotes that support my rebuttal? Um, was it um, Texas who, uh, or, or and others who... Who um, passed the heartbeat law? Do you think a baby is not breathing to have a heart, to have a, a, a beating heart uh, at six weeks um, or or fifteen weeks? A uh, further development. I, I have to look to see exactly the stage of development of that baby. Um, God formed the first man, Adam, from the dust of the ground, um, and made him a living being, and formed Eve from his side now when did that ever happen again has god ever formed another man from the dust of the ground and taken his rib and formed his wife his helpmate that's never happened again whoever says that is looking to turn from god and get approval from it there is no way any thinking mind can believe that that is the description of a person who is born uh, a child is born, procreated uh, from the love of a man and a woman, nothing else. And at the very moment of conception, uh, not the dust of the ground, um, but the very moment of conception between the man and the woman, that child becomes a living being at that very moment. if you if you think that um, someone, breathing uh, proof that life doesn't start until the first first breath is taken um, then um, how do you even believe a child is a child at birth because he's not a full man Uh, it it makes no sense at all, no thinking person can give that argument Uh, the greatest uh, verse in scripture um, on that score is Psalm 139 And Psalm one thirty nine says, "O Lord, thou this is God's writing through King David. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou discernest my thoughts from afar. Thou searchest out my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou dost beset me behind and before." And layest thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I free from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, let only darkness cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to thee. Now listen to this part. For thou didst form my inmost parts. Thou didst knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise thee, for thou art fearful and wonderful wonderful are thy works thou knowest me right well my frame was not hidden from thee when i was being made in secret intricately wrought in the depths of the earth thy eyes beheld my unformed substance in thy book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them how precious to me are thy thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. I'm going to read that last um, paragraph now. Oh, that thou wouldst slay the wicked, O God, and that men of blood would depart from me. I would think, dear ones, that every child in its mother's womb, wonderfully and fearfully being knit together, in the mother's womb um, might pray this last one, when they see um, um, instruments coming to rip them apart, taking their arms and legs, crushing their skulls. Oh, that thou would slay the wicked, O God, and that men of blood would depart from me, men who maliciously defy thee, who lift themselves up against thee for evil, Do I not hate them that hate thee, O Lord? And do I not loathe them that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is the answer to anyone who would call themselves pro-choice. If you don't make the choice for life, you are not pro-choice. You are pro-murder and pro-death. God has put the knowledge of himself in every single human being. And the person who would dare say, how do you respond to a friend who claims that Genesis 2-7 can serve as a basis for pro-choice argument, I would say that that person... um, has less a, a less right to existence than the child in its mother's womb who is innocent. Anyone who would destroy a life that God is creating. <clears throat> Here we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, is the angel that appears to Abraham when he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac the Lord or an angel? The Bible says that the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham and then the angel says you have not withheld your son from me it appears to be an angel but then speaks as if he is God thank you and God bless dear anonymous he is God there are many angels that appear in scripture but when the scripture says not an angel but the angel of the Lord um, it is Normally, what is called a theophany, a pr- an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ, uh, the same angel that struggled with Abraham and dis- or rather with Jacob and dislocated his lip, his hip, sorry, and and <clears throat> and Jacob said, "Who are you?" And the angel said to him, "Why do you ask me that? Since my name is wonderful, wonderful is God's name, um, the angel of the Lord." reincarnate Christ appeared to Abraham and said, um, You have not withhold, withheld your son from me. And that was a foreshadowing of God who would not withhold his only son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, there's the music. We will speak with you tomorrow, God willing. God bless you.